3: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoke and audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and
2: From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio.
1: Hello, welcome back to the show. My
2: name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control, Deck. And most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't. Want you to know. Uh, funny story. Years back, uh, your faithful correspondents here were treated to a strange training day by some ex Navy SEALs. Do you yeah. guys remember this day? Yeah, it made a lot of people really uncomfortable in the office because it was yeah. like, like,
0: here's how you disarm somebody and shoot them with their own gun. It was here's like stuff like that. Deglove them.
1: Yeah. Deglove. But there was one guy I remember distinctly. His whole point was you can come up to me with a gun, and if you don't shoot me in the head, I will kill you before you get off your next shot. And mm-hmm. I was like, I love you, sir. It, it was <laughs> it was uh it was it,
2: it, it was deep water for a 9 30 a.m. meeting. Uh it continued well into the afternoon. Uh, we were taught by this consulting company uh things like emergency first aid, things like disarming an assailant. And a um, shout-out to one of my favorite instructors from that day who talked about her time uh, being lost in hostile enemy territory out the Middle East way. And she said, I was worried, I was frightened because I didn't have a weapon, I didn't speak the language, and then I realized, I am the weapon. That's a lot of stuff to hear before lunch. One of the things that stuck with us, I think, all of us, Was the same guy you're mentioning, Matt, made a big, big point that uh, in a kidnapping situation, you will be asked, cajoled, or forced to go to a secondary location. That's when something becomes kidnapping. And this was, as you said, Noel, this was uh, quite an unwelcome, non consensual training session for a lot of our colleagues who had experienced trauma in the past it also gets us thinking can the government kidnap you like can a can a government just say "Mm, not this one paul paul mission control decant his name has a lot in common with some other guy right (laughs) can we take him somewhere i i don't know it's weird it's weird
1: we made a, a very silly video and put it on social media where, uh, Ben, you and I were arguing about whether or not the government could abduct you. And one of the fascinating things about today's episode is that generally there are rules about this stuff. But as we found throughout history, uh, those rules get bent and broken quite often. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Can the power structure of a civilization or a community kidnap you? For much of human history, (laughs) the answer is categorically yes. I mean, go way back. Tribes used to sequester or abduct people for any number of reasons, often social taboos, right? It still happens in some indigenous communities where, for instance, a woman who is menstruating is forced out of the community uh, until their cycle. Has changed. Uh, theocracies, monarchies—they were no better. They did the same thing. And heresy, demo- yeah, right, yeah, and uh, heresy, yeah, just so. And uh, democracy, the shiny new penny of human governance, uh, is not that different in this regard. Here are. The facts, if we want to talk about a government kidnapping someone, we first have to answer, even though it sounds very basic, we first have to answer the question, what is a government?
0: They're our friends. (laughs) They mean us no harm. They're here to help.
2: They have built a conservatory. That's a very obscure shout out to Oates Studios.
0: Uh, if you guys, oh, those are good. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, know what you're talking about. Um, well, so what is a government? Um, I guess, you know, you interchangeably sometimes referred to as the state, uh, not to be confused with the excellent seminal 1990s uh, sketch comedy troupe. Mm-hmm. But a state or a government is defined by a, a lot of goals, I guess. It's sort of like, what are you after? What are you trying to achieve? Um, and again, on paper, often it is the betterment of a society, uh, the, you know, um, improvement of people's lives, perhaps. Or maintaining order, you know, and uh, all of that stuff, making sure people are able to survive and thrive. Some consider their binding forces sometimes often are religious, um, or as I mentioned, economic, perhaps. Uh, often it's a combination of all of these things, right? Ideological, I guess, maybe is the one that sort of sort of encompasses all of them. Um, but whatever the govern various governments, differences might be uh, in practical terms. Any governing body is there to maintain and enforce
1: rule of law. Yeah. Which is a
2: nice way of saying what
1: yeah Uh, (laughs) they make the rules. They're the folks in charge. They get to uh, take you if they want to. No I'm just joking. Uh, (laughs) They
0: they, they tell us what we can and can't do and we sort of enter like like my kid actually was doing a paper the other day. What is the social contract? You know the social contract is by being part of a society we agree that there we can't do everything. And, and the government kind of dictates what those things we can and can't do are. In theory, we elect those people that tell us those things. But sometimes there's things that are sort of off book, right?
1: Yeah. I, I was just, like, I don't know if this makes sense. But for me, the great parlor trick of democracy is that it is for the people, by the yeah, people and all that people. stuff. Because um, mm-hmm. ultimately, it's the few that are in charge that get to make those rules we're talking about. Um for every that everyone else has to adhere to
2: yeah a a governing structure for a microcosmic surely relatable example is uh dave and busters uh controls who uh which games are allowed at dave and busters you are allowed uh, as a temporary resident of dave and busters to play those games you are in trouble if you bring your own games, yeah. because only Dave and Buster's gets only Dave and only Buster get to decide the games. Or if you try to game the games,
0: aka rig the system or work, you know, using a different set of rules, uh, perhaps you shake the machine, right, or try to unplug it and plug it back in, or something like that. You will very quickly be escorted out of said Dave and
2: Buster's, or, or give given a strong job. Warning.
3: This guy's got moxie.
2: (laughs) You know, you could you could grift, or you could teach a man to grift, etc. What we're saying is, rule of law. Rule of law is a very diplomatic, very nice way of acknowledging the one reality: the best, most practicable definition of a state or a governing structure is that entity which has a monopoly over violence. Governments do define what is not or is a crime. I mean, look, if you're a citizen, wherever, in, in pretty much every country, you cannot just murder someone impulsively. You can't take people's property. You can't launch an invasion on another country, et cetera, et cetera. However, wherever you are right now, your government, we guarantee you, can, has, and will do all of those things, unless
0: you successfully launch a coup, at which point you then become the government and take on all of those things that we were just talking about. But if you lose, you'll probably be
2: executed or at the very least, you know, kicked out and ban- banished, you know? Mm-hmm. And the plot twist of that, that horrific black mirror esque statement as Orwellian as it sounds Yes, the government can do crimes because the government is the defining force of what constitutes a crime. (sighs) The plot twist is this is not inherently sinister. This is not necessarily bad, which I feel crazy saying. Uh, In theory, governments, uh, like you were pointing out earlier, governments only take these actions at the behest of their citizens. And they do so only after a rigorous series of checks and balances. Again. In theory, I mean, think about tribes back in the day would abduct or sequester people for the violation of social taboos, right? Or for the goal of controlling resources, containing rivals. Theocracies did and do, spoiler alert, the same thing, but only with uh, quote unquote approval from their whatever their metaphysical authority is. God told us, so it's okay. right you know you mentioned the word taboo and it reminds me i just started
0: watching at the actual recommendation of a friend of the show lauren vogelbaum a show called taboo um oh it's fantastic it's really 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 great but it shows some of the stuff we're talking about here in terms of like the east india trading company is it becomes a sub-government in and of itself that basically has the latitude to do crimes like you're you're messing with us we want this piece of land that you have we need it we're going to make you an offer that we hope you can can't refuse once you refuse it all bets are off you know because they basically were as powerful and sanctioned by the government so for all intents
2: and purposes they became an extension of the government again practicable application you know it's like uh i love that you're mentioning the east indias <laughs> those companies uh because uh, whatever derivation they were when in their heyday they were like what if the federal reserve took field trips you know And uh, they did to great acclaim in court. Monarchies also do the same sheisty, creepy, sketchy stuff. Uh, And when they would engage in these criminal actions, they would do so because their status quo was under threat. And for those of us playing along at home, you know, uh, the people who are most often abducted or kidnapped by monarchies, other aristocrats. That was the most direct threat to the status quo because they were very bloodline oriented people. Shout out to man in the iron mask, which I, uh, yeah, I read, I I read it earlier and and then I rewatched it. And uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is just sort of the same age in things.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. I don't, I only watched it. Sorry. I don't do books, but uh, the, I'm just joking. The, um, the thing I want to point out here is we're we're talking about theoretically why governments, no matter who runs them or how they got in power right, do these things for good reason but I think you I think the closest one in my mind right now that makes sense for today's topic is how monarchies respond because they're protecting the government protecting itself right so taking action that would potentially be against the law to any other country, or if you looked at it objectively, but for the purposes of that government, this is now legal because we are in danger or some really important aspect of our operating system is in danger. Mm,
2: Agreed. And, you know, for uh, for people who are maybe a bit Pollyanna about uh, the current dominant government trends, uh, you might say, well, what about democracy? You know what I mean? It's important to vote. It is important to vote. We're not going to be dicks about that. But it is equally important to remember that your favorite democracies, your favorite dictatorships, your favorite authoritarian governments, they lumped all of those previous behaviors into a kind of combo meal. Uh, Salma Gundy, a righteous cause at every single point in human history. The state is best defined as the entity in your neck of the global woods with that monopoly on violence, and that applies to kidnapping, just as it applies to murder, just as it applies to theft. Um, folks, you are going to hear Matt, Noel, Paul, and I present an extraordinary story, <laughs> it's a terrible pun, of not just a phenomenon, but a possibly continuing program in which the United States government, champion of freedom, actively kidnapped people from around the world, some of whom remain imprisoned in a legal limbo with no criminal charges as we record this evening. I, I suggest we pause for a word from our sponsor. We got to, you know, we got to rack our ribs. We got to drink our coffees. I just learned about Celsius drink. It's so good, dude.
1: Hey, Celsius, if you're listening, send us some. I need more.
2: Here's where it gets crazy. Extraordinary rendition. Extraordinary rendition. You look at a rendition and you go that my old chap is extraordinary. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's a euphemism for kidnapping when a government does it versus, you know, your local dirtbags. I I, like Matt, you and I were having a a pretty interesting conversation briefly before we started recording is one of the first things we talked about. Uh, Why? What is, what is an ordinary rendition?
1: Well, okay. So I'm not looking at any definition in my mind. An ordinary rendition would be when let's say a local police force, (laughs) I guess you could say kidnap someone into a patrol car because they're suspected of committing some crime. And so they become uh, a guest at a local jail, right? Um, And then they go through, hopefully, a judicial process where they're either released or sent to probably a prison. Um, In my mind, that's a rendition, just being abducted by a police force that represents the government, whether it's, you know, an entire country a state or a local level. Mm, yeah,
2: I agree. Like the the jurisprudence teaches us that the concept of rendition is just what you describe, a transfer of people or individuals from one legal jurisdiction to another. And this oh. happens this happens all the time in, you know, criminal cases, like the very lurid stuff uh we hear it often, right? When a let's say a mass murderer or a serial murderer is apprehended in one state, and then they are taken to another state to stand trial for uh, their crimes in that separate jurisdiction.
1: In an act of highly ordinary rendition. In an act of extremely
2: ordinary, (laughs) super mids rendition. In... In the U.S., the phrase extraordinary rendition most often refers to a genre of operations, a genre of programs uh, that uh, that spring sort of sort of before the ongoing war on terror. But definitely they definitely powered up Dragon Ball Z style because of this. Uh, That's it, it,
1: Ben. That's totally it. Yeah, mm. extraordinary rendition went super saiyan during uh, <laughs> mm. in, in Afghanistan it's and It's yeah, over nine thousand,
2: however many thousand. Yeah,
1: over nine thousand. But yeah. but if you if you go online, you can find quite a many story about in the nineties, eighties, even before that, where the the U.S. government, particularly the CIA, ended up doing these very similar practices, and it was always. Ben, I'm sure you found the same thing. It's always when there is a suspect picked up by some other state government, right? But they happen to be uh, maybe from another country, right? And suspected of doing things in a third country. But the CIA wants that person, so they take them somewhere else. It's always Halloween in
2: America, right? And the company had no compunctions about uh, going trick-or-treat. Style door to door with the Mujahideen, yeah. And the costumes
0: are really simple,
2: they're just black bags.
1: Oh, wow, yeah. Um, uh, the, the example that you could find right now, there's something I'm thinking about, y'all, is when police in Croatia seized an Egyptian national and then the CIA stepped in and took him somewhere else. But like, that's crazy,
2: yeah, it is, and it's true. These are real conspiracies, not conspiracy theories. So let's look at the history about this, right? The, the, the balls of it, the chutzpah of it to say, one, we are a country that calls ourselves a champion of human rights, you know, habeas corpus, innocent until proven guilty, et etc. et cetera, all the good stuff, all that slow jazz. Two, we are respecting the rule of law. And then, <laughs> and then three, We don't respect the International Criminal Court. The United States is not and never will be a signatory to that particular circus. So how is it that the same country, the world's police, said, we're going to go outside of whatever you guys call our jurisdiction, and we're going to take an individual from their present location and we're not taking them back to you know Langley. We're not taking them back to DC or anything like that. Leavenworth, etc. We're taking them to a third country, and you know we're doing a Vegas style.
1: What happens there stays there. I mean, let's, I know what it goes back to, Ben. Yeah, What's it's that? the it's the eleventh director of the Central Intelligence Agency.
2: No way! What you're talking about, George? George, dude, I'm telling you,
1: so much goes back to George. I it's it's weird. Maybe not. I don't know. This that's my theory. Yeah, I he's think an OG. I think his I think his background uh and, and uh, not to compare him fully to Putin, but you know, Putin's intelligence days make him a really interesting uh leader of a country. He was Putin-esque. Yeah. But, but I guess that's what I mean. When you've got the mind for yes. running those operations, running a country is a very different thing than, let's just say, an attorney that rolls up and says, hi, I'm going to be president now. Because you
0: know how the sausage is made, and you also know how to make sausage,
1: you know, <laughs> yeah.
0: And then you, you can you can work on both sides of the line kind of because, you know, what's happening behind the scenes. And I feel like a lot of times the type of president you're talking about that maybe has just more of a legal background. They might get briefed on some of that stuff later. But that doesn't necessarily mean they have the like chops to really exploit it. You know, and and work with that all of that stuff in mind. I think you're you're spot on, uh, Matt, and I believe Ben. The you know, outline you you talk about this precedent set by George H. W. Bush and his administration back in the '90s. Oh yeah,
2: OG for sure. Yeah, so extraordinary rendition uh, is a precedent set back in 1993 by the George H. W. Bush administration, and yes. Fellow non-Americans in the crowd, we get it. It's weird that it's a purported meritocracy, that one guy was president, and then whoopsie-doo, his son is also president. We get how it smacks monarchy and corruption. Uh, you may be interested to find, by the way, that the pilot program for Extraordinary Rendition continues Throughout the false dichotomy of domestic U.S. politics, the Clinton administration elected in opposition to this uh, George the Elder, the Clinton administration enacted this stuff. They put it into play as sort of a, a pilot program, you know, a little test. Let's drive it around the block. And their goal was to paint with a broad brush to shoot with uh, a shotgun. Uh, They wanted to aim toward any individual that they thought was a possible operator in any number of terrorist networks, they called them. And the nature of these networks themselves was very nebulously defined internally as well as externally. And we're like, hey, there's a bad guy and he's probably hanging with some other types we don't like, let's get him.
1: Yeah, well, and <laughs> in, in the reason why you would pick someone up like that, especially as, you know, part of some terrorist network, which was the common thing, it is to gain information, right? What? It's not all that different from policies
0: in certain, you know, uh, metro cities like stop and frisk. You know what I mean? It's this idea that, like, if you're associating with certain people or if you're potentially, you know, suspect in some way, then we can stop you and and search you and ask for information, you know, and, and bring you in. And maybe we don't have enough to hold you, so we let you go, but we're still gonna go on that fishing expedition. but this is obviously much more of a level up dragon ball you know like version of that because they don't necessarily have to let you go
1: well yeah but and 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 one of the main problems is or or the main reasons that you would use this technique is when you don't have hard evidence to convict somebody, right so as we're going through this. If I think, and then maybe this is just my opinion, I think if you had hard enough evidence to convict one of these people, anyone who has been extraordinarily renditioned, um, that it would go through a different process. But in in most of these events, it's because you suspect somebody of being a high-level person within some organization, you maybe can't prove certain things, and you know that group is – you have intelligence that that group is going to take part in other activities – you just don't have any details of those activities, so you bring somebody like this in to literally extract everything they know. Check out our
2: earlier conversation, two folks, on whether or not torture works. <laughs> I re-listened to that, and I gotta say, uh, I am—I I come with hat in hand on behalf of our show. I am so sorry that that. Yeah is still very current and absolutely accurate it is an absolute bummer of an episode uh and everything that you just said Matt is a hundred percent correct there's not a there there is to this day to this evening there is not a solid methodology for these sorts of programs for evaluating the efficacy the the um actionability of this intelligence. Right. So there there's some guy who has some name that you heard about from some other person who may have been tortured. So now you're out to find this person. And surprise, out of more than eight billion people in the world is still like seven billion something when this stuff was in its heyday. More than one person has the same name. Whoopsie.
0: I was going to ask, like, I mean, I I understand that torture, it it can yield unreliable results, let's just say, based on what you're saying. Because if you're being tortured, you're going to say whatever it takes to have them stop you. But it can also, if people really do have information, if you torture them enough, they're probably going to tell you. But the, the question then becomes, how do we know who's giving us the real information and who's we're just torturing until they say something? And it's creating this like wild goose chase scenario, right? Yes, just so.
1: I was gonna say ben how how would you sum it up but for me, th- remembering back to that episode, it is exactly that torture doesn't work often for the reasons you want torture to work as a torturer,
2: yeah, so uh, yeah, I'd agree with that matt the um the pickle of it is logically i uh, it is impossible to prove that something would have happened when it did not happen. The ticking time bomb scenario so popular in the world of fiction and spy novels and all that. That is so rare. Like that, that is true. Maybe a handful of times in modern history. Uh, It's not, it's not so much a case of, we've got this bad guy and there are bad guys. It's not so much a case of we've got this bad guy. We've got, you know, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, 24 hour style, you know, a, a defined window of time to figure out where the bomb is or where the disease is getting deployed. It's much more a case of, we have this guy. We know this guy knows someone. So let's play a very evil game of six degrees of Kevin Bacon uh, shout, shout out to our pal A.J. Jacobs. Who and invented, Kevin Bacon. And Kevin Bacon and our pal Kevin. Uh, and, and the idea then is that through these uh, coercive means, this person will reveal something that will be not the solution, but a breadcrumb toward the ultimate goal. And the problem with that is that a lot of times it just doesn't work out that way. No, and it can lead you
0: down to another thing that will then give you another breadcrumb that ultimately just involves just hurting a lot of people. And maybe they're not fully innocent. What does innocence even mean once you're in this system? It's very difficult because it's up to Uncle Sam to determine that. And that's why this stuff can be so dangerous, because there is no innocent until proven guilty. It's are you guilty enough by association
2: to warrant us snatching you up to see what you know?
3: Mm, And then
0: you're in the
2: system. Oh, you know, Kevin? Well, I'm not convinced that you know Kevin. Put him back under. No, man, I
0: said Tevin. I know Tevin. Tevin Campbell. Not (laughs) Kevin Bacon. Uh, Too late.
1: But it it gets so much murkier than that, and we'll get into it. And that stuff starts happening a lot more when Extraordinary Rendition evolves.
2: Yeah, when when the rubber hits the road, right? So the company, everybody's favorite U.S. company, the Central Intelligence Agency uh, and – Uh, They had a three-part process, right? Uh, A sort of, dare I say, middle passage of, uh, of espionage and of abduction and interrogation. What you would do is, as country one, the United States, acting through intelligence agencies, you would apprehend, kidnap a terrorism suspect abroad. Now, how did you define their activities? What made them a suspect? any number of things, Wild West, honestly. And the country you capture them in, that's country too. You would not have them questioned uh, or interrogated or tortured in that country where you snapped them up you would instead take them to a third country that was friendly with your overall goals or that owed you a favor or that wanted you to do them a favor in the future
1: so and they had yeah. some kind of handy misused airbase sure. or you know some, yeah. some abandoned
2: place. dave and busters right yeah 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 <laughs> yeah take them to the uh, take them take them to poland right uh, take them to church Shout out, Hozier. So these interrogations included torture, obviously, uh, and to pretend otherwise is to be purposely misleading. Sometimes the people that were being questioned, whether they were or were not innocent, they died as a result of things like uh, stress positions, uh, confinement, forced feeding. um,
1: Blunt trauma to
2: the legs. Blunt trauma to the legs. Yeah, head trauma, uh, also, of course, infamously, waterboarding. Uh, I think we're all still waiting for Sean Hannity to make good on his promise to experience waterboarding. I haven't checked in with Sean recently. Uh, look, so the Clinton administration, while acting as though they are enemies of the Bush administration, uh, <laughs> they're, they're putting this plan into action. They didn 't come up with it, and when pressed by the American media, now uh, former President Bill Clinton said, "You know, these covert operations are ah, probably illegal, but hey, they're necessary. That's right, folks. We're aiming toward a greater good." And then I imagine he did like a little saxophone arpeggio or whatever, and they were like, "Yeah, that's awesome." it's
0: like a love theme kind of
2: situation is that careless (laughs) whisper it sure is
1: (laughs) yeah but they they're definitely illegal because if you brought that suspect back to the united states and interrogated him there that's definitely illegal right if you were in another country officially interrogating that suspect in uh, country number two wherever they were picked up and you're the ones interrogating them, I'm pretty sure that would be illegal, too. It's a loophole is what it is,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's a, plausible deniability. I mean, well, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not denying it, but it is definitely a loophole. I mean, okay, so fast forward, the U.S. ostensibly a democracy, a meritocracy. For some crazy reason, because I'm sure he was the best guy for the job, uh, George H.W. Bush's, a uh, son, one of his sons, George W. Bush, in a burst of creativity, becomes POTUS, president of the United States. Fast forward, the uh, the United States experiences attacks on September 11th, 2001. These are attacks by a terrorist group led by Osama bin Laden, bankrolled by factions of the Saudi Arabian government. According Result, to the true, official story according to the official story outside of Saudi Arabia. They, they're as surprised as you are. And so uh, when this occurred, it opened the door to insane amounts of military funding. The U.S. public was united in, a, in an extraordinary way, and they were on board with this vibe. They were like, look, yeah, laws are good. We're the Whatever champion. It takes. Yeah, we're the champion of laws, but we need to interrogate. We need to find, apprehend, and press anyone as soon as possible. Checks and balances be damned. This is the only way to prevent another disaster. Was
0: that—wait, maybe I'm being a dumb, dum-dum. What was the Patriot Act?
2: Wasn't that kind of what opened up a lot of this stuff? Oh yeah, and yeah Patriot okay. Act is Patriot Act is a um, opportunistic consequence. That's right,
0: and, and it's the, almost like we've never really rendered it back, like from what that
2: did. <laughs> no, why would you? I mean, think about like uh, another. Okay, this is very. <sighs> this is very thrifty of me, but think about, for instance, uh, the way airports changed and the way airlines changed post-2001. Uh, Checked bags had a temporary fee, and that fee just never got rolled back. That's right. Uh, anyway, that's I walked down the runway for that one, but... Anyway, the, well, that's wallet, the thing, though, yeah. I
0: mean, you could you can enact some of this stuff under duress or like in a state of emergency. But then it's really hard to put the Badgers back in the bag, you know, at that point. It, nearly impossible. And then to your point, Ben, a why would you why would you want to the government? Why would they want to the people a little different? But then it's too late because it's no longer the power is no longer with them. If it ever really was, it was an opportunistic move because of the climate. That allowed you know this 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 situation where people weren't gonna balk at it, right? Isn't that mainly what it is? Yeah. I,
1: I look. That's. I think that there. What you just stated is one of the primary reasons the September 11 attacks are feel so suspect because it was an it was a moment in time when the government, the executive branch of the United States, seemed to seize a whole heck of a lot more power than they had before that moment in time. Um, and it's for for this kind of stuff because who's going to force the executive powers to have fewer powers except for someone outside of the executive powers, right? Un-American.
2: Not- <laughs> the, the very proposal, un-American. <laughs> arrest this man. Arrest no. every. Arrest every Matt Frederick around. Oh, how, there's how so it? many. All right, we'll get all of them just to be safe. That's okay. literally what. Happened so the so wallet wide open. I agree with everything you say. Wallet wide open. Uncle Sam and friends go on a merry and evil path across the world. Uh, They conduct a global sweep of anyone they consider a suspect of terrorism, both being nebulously defined. Uh, They're in a pickle because multiple defendants were and have been tried in criminal courts in the United States or an insert country here, the stands, the Balkans, you know what I mean? All kinds of different parts of the world, right? India as well, not to be Islamophobic, but a lot of times uh, they were aiming for people of Muslim faith. And the problem was when these defendants were getting tried in the United States or when they were getting tried in different countries, they weren't getting, the courts were not getting the results that the United States desired. And so they said, look, a lot of these guys that we genuinely think are bad faith actors, a lot of these bad dudes are hiding away in countries that do not extradite. They are hiding away in countries that grant them Asylum. They are never going to be caught. And there is no currently legal way to get them. And so, like any government worth its salt, the United States said, let's change the law. Oh, that's right, you guys. We write this stuff. So, <laughs> to this day, the US and global public has no idea how much good intelligence these agencies actually possessed. We have no idea what functionally informed their decisions. The logic of these black site operations was, when you think about it, itself a black box as a result. And then also, you know, in 2004, when the U.S. public started getting a little little sour on this, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court conveniently decided that Quote, government agents are immune from civil or criminal liability for their official conduct abroad, which is a crazy thing to say. That's a that that ruling comes from Sosa, v. Alvarez machine or McCain. The um, the idea was, look, if you're doing your job and you work for the good guys, you work for Uncle Sam, then do what thou wilt in service of the greater good which is not the way you should write a law.
1: No, no, it is not. Um, and just quick shout outs for anybody who wants to dig deep into this specific moment or these moments in time. And just before that in like early 2003, um, Shout out to Carl, i think her name is Carlotta Gall from the New York Times. That's somebody who was extensively reporting on this very subject, and also shout uh, what New York Times did a bunch of reporting yes. on this stuff right around that time. But there are there are several other outlets, a lot of other people. Um, check that out for sure. And I'm just before we move on, I would suggest everybody watches this documentary that you can find right now. If you're a Prime member, it's free. You can watch it. It's called Taxi to the Dark Side by Alex Gibney. It, it will make you extremely uncomfortable, and it is upsetting to watch, but it goes over this exact thing that, that Ben is describing here um, just in too much detail.
2: It's important detail. I'm really glad you shouted that out because more people need to be aware of these things. This is the stuff they don't want you to know. I mean, the practice of extraordinary rendition accelerated to unprecedented levels. You could even make the argument that the Bush administration, oh, I'm sorry, again, there's two. That's weird. Uh, The earlier one, they probably didn't see this coming. They probably didn't know what kind of automation they had enabled. The U.S. essentially needed to, uh, and beat me here again, Paul, the U.S. needed to prove some gangster They needed the world to know anyone can get it. Wherever you are, you can be touched. Uh, It was as if Uncle Sam said, you guys want smoke? What a coincidence. You and everyone you know happen to be sitting in the smoking section. So... Holler at me, you know. Oh,
1: I thought you were going to say is on fire. at yeah, Like the, currently, the, the, and the you're holding a flamethrower. <laughs> no, no, no. I, mean, I mean, think the
0: subtler,
2: the better. Walk, what is it? Uh, walk softly and carry a big stick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and then we'll return uh, to some more extraordinary renditions, assuming we're still here. and we're back okay so democracies are supposed to be uh, a government by the people for the people therefore at least if you're a dictator the achilles heel of that structure is that your people can hold you accountable for any number of means right And that's why uh, a bunch of dithering began, a bunch of fights over semantics, this dangerous discourse of what is or is not the greater good. Condoleezza Rice, former secretary of state, came out with a very interesting series of uh, (laughs) public statements. Uh, And the State Department at this point argued that extraordinary rendition is a necessary element of counterterrorism. And uh, furthermore, assured not just the U.S., but the global public that terrorism suspects had been neither transported nor tortured by U.S. agents. We have the specific quote here. The United States has not transported
0: anyone and will not transport anyone to a country when we believe he will be tortured. Um, uh, where appropriate, the United States seeks assurances that transferred persons will not be tortured. Wow. Mm-hmm. Where, mm-hmm. Appropriate. where appropriate. <laughs> Otherwise, who knows? But uh, we definitely don't do it on purpose. But hey, who's to say what happens once they've left our, our purview?
1: Yeah, but that's so insane because, right, I mean, this is right around the time when there was actual discussion within the halls of power in the White House where they're deciding what the definition of torture is, right? Mm-hmm. They're deciding that legally. What is oh, torture? What is not?
2: That one guy was like, hey, I stand for hours at a time
1: at work. Rumsfeld? Was that? Yeah, that that was was Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld, I think, yeah.
2: He got yeah. grilled on
1: that a bunch, but dude, it's just, and they're trying to figure out if you strike, like, how many times can you strike a detainee in the in the legs or you know in the knees before it's considered torture? How long can you have a detainee uh, chained to the ceiling with handcuffs with their arms out until it's considered torture? Like, what what's the level? And how long can
2: you uh, allow them to go on a hunger strike? right and when you force them to eat uh or force them to consume some sort of nutrients right uh, then what uh what is your method for uh for non-consensually keeping them alive very nasty
1: stuff very How many nasty hours stuff. how many hours can you keep a detainee up before it's considered torture mm-hmm. like awake sleep. it's enough. insane what but there play? was a line in that new David Fincher movie,
0: um, The Killer, which I yeah. really liked a lot, uh, where he said something to the effect of, uh, he, I think it's insane that the government ruled that sleep deprivation can't be considered torture.
2: It is. Well, it's uh, intellectually fraudulent at best. Uh, the, the, the claim, what's really interesting is the claim does not preclude the possibility that subjects have been taken somewhere. To be tortured on the order of the US government. Cue Shaggy saying it wasn't me, right? Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: So, like, maybe they're taking
2: Shaggy from Scooby Doo, but I now realize you mean the seminal 1990s reggae uh, performer, Shaggy. It
1: wasn't me, Scoob! (laughs) And
2: Marine, Uh, by the way, Shaggy's a Marine. Uh, That's right. Yeah, and uh, besties
0: with our CEO, as it turns out. (laughs) What? Sure Uh, thing,
2: yeah. 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 Uh, They even caught him on camera. So put plainly, the U.S. government contended that kidnapping people and torturing them isn't really a crime, so long as the folks who do the kidnapping drop the individuals at a different non-U.S. country with maybe a little unofficial conversation beforehand. You know, like we don't torture folks here in the States, but Poland you guys are sort of the New Jersey of Europe, right? Like everything goes here. We'd love your help on this. We'd love to figure out what this guy knows. And we will remember you've done this favor for us in the future. While we, of course, again, do not torture people in the United States, Poland. I'm sure you can understand. We are a country under attack and any information you get, however you get it, don't tell us. But however you get something. Uh, It would be of immense value to us. Just don't make it messy. You know what I mean? And that's it. Cut to a handshake, maybe a file of a wish list, right? Tell us these following things. Probably something like confirm these following things, which is even more dangerous in a torture situation because you're just asking people to say yes, right? And then uh, maybe even a, a handy guide, on how to efficiently derive that information from someone who doesn't want to tell you things. Spooky, yeah. spooky
1: and stuff. Then, and then make a list of things that are torture and things that are not torture, right? Mm-hmm. Just as close to the line as you want to get, just don't go over it. Well, As long as the dog doesn't bite him. That's yeah. when the term enhanced interrogation started
0: flying around, right? That's exactly it was, right. That's it's goofy, right. It's goofy, it's right? It's so stupid. It's just a PR maneuver. It's like rebranding.
1: it is, but disgust in the halls of power at the White House of what is torture and what is not. And what can we do to these guys? It's like one of those uh,
0: pornography things. I don't know what it is, but I know it when I see it. Only it's the reverse of that, because I would argue that most people would know torture when they see it. But they're saying it needs to be quantified in some mathematical formula, which I would argue is not really possible. It's like point to the smiley or frowny face that defines your pain when you're in the hospital or something. It's very difficult to quantify
2: it's cuz it's not you know i don't know have a have a fox define what makes a good hen house Right. That definition is going to be very different from the definition of the chickens. And I appreciate all that shout out, I think, to our uh, Ridiculous History James Joyce episode, which is on the way. Uh, The publication of Ulysses uh, prompted uh, so many many discussions about the nature of pornography or the nature of that which is considered unclean. The CIA did not and does not, to be completely clear, without hyperbole, the CIA... Does not, did not, will not give a f- about that kind of stuff. And excuse my strong language. That's my third beep in tonight's episode. No, they it's,
0: are, it's, it's it's very galling. I mean,
2: it's, it's true. They operated uh, a series of black site facilities. We talked about this at length in previous episodes. Uh, these facilities were, like you said, Matt. They they would appear to be abandoned maybe former government things like a picture in a, whatever the abandoned warehouses on the outskirts of your town. It looked like it stuff like that with better security. And they were in Afghanistan, Poland, Romania, Thailand. The list goes on. The scary truth is the American public and the global public still does not know how many of those sites existed or exist in the current day, we don't know. We do know somewhere around, somewhere north of 50 different governments participated in this extraordinary rendition program. I think like 53 that we know about.
1: Yeah. Just to add one little detail or just a couple. You think about Bagram, it was, it was an air base. It was a Soviet air base, right? A place called Bagram where people, it was a black site where people were interrogated and tortured and killed. Um, And, you know, the thing about Abu Ghraib, again, a base that was kind of repurposed um, and parts of it that still functioned were used to interrogate and house people. Guantanamo as well, right? Mm -hmm. An episode all its own.
0: And and it wasn't until, like, footage and and stills and stuff of, of the treatment of prisoners in those facilities started coming out that that tied... Of public opinion started to turn a little bit, but again, yeah. by this point, it was too late, you know. Well,
1: it's all at the same time 2003, 2004, when all of this we're discussing right now is happening, including the photos from Abu Ghraib coming out, like the human pyramids and the horrible, horrible things that were done to human beings. Nightmare
2: fuel, man. Mm. It's bonkers. I mean, uh, the you're right, the U.S. public was thanks to independent media, to be honest with you. Uh, in the, uh, the U.S. public. Was starting, to, was starting to get tired of this notion. What did we let the you world's do? Police. <laughs> you they, were, they were yeah. starting to get tired of this notion of being the world's police. And they had again noticed the rise of everything Eisenhower warned people about, the military, industrial, congressional, profiteering. It's a practice dating back to the foundation of the United States. It happened, um, you know, the United States was isolationist. During uh, the beginning of World War One, the United states pre Pearl Harbor had some really serious questions about uh, why they should involve themselves in a global war. And other countries, in this time, like in the time you're describing Matt, other countries felt their sovereignty was under threat by this program. There were global investigations, our neighbors to the north, Canada. They were super pissed because their sovereignty was violated by one of these rendition programs. Uh, multiple European, North African, Middle Eastern uh, theaters were also understandably upset. Washington needed to respond, right? And so, in two thousand and nine, we've got a different administration now. This is the Barack Obama administration. Again, in uh, in apparent uh, opposition right, to the, to the other side of the political aisle, uh, the Obama administration did all the same stuff. They did the same stuff that Clinton and H.W. Bush and W. Bush, that's still gross, they did all the same stuff these previous administrations were doing, and they issued an executive order that was meant to quell growing concerns. They said, all right, you guys, seriously, you guys, this time for serious no torture. Yeah, for serial. We mean
1: it this time. For cereal. we're going to pull back on the torture, and we're going to get a lot more drone killing going on. <laughs>
2: right? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna screw up some weddings. We'll tell mm-hmm. you that much. But uh, but they also said we're going to start a task force. Okay, we're starting a task force, American public, uh, to explore options for what to do with these terrorism suspects. Put plainly, the people responsible for kidnapping civilians across the planet promise to investigate their own behavior tight,
1: right? Dude. (laughs) They that's exactly what they did back in 2004 and they found out it was a couple of bad apples at oh, yeah. the essentially prison complexes that they were running like Abu Ghraib when those photos came out like Donald Rumsfeld and uh, you know generals got in front of mics and said it's a couple of bad apples who are doing it but they didn't say anything About the pressures that were coming from above that said, hey, we need to get actionable intelligence from the guys coming through and women, men and women who were kept at these prisons. We need to get actionable intelligence to save your fellow soldiers and to prevent another attack like 9-11. So the very lowest end, the the military police assigned to those places and the interrogators who were part of military intelligence basically had marching orders to extract any info you possibly could. And a very loose set of things they could and could not do.
2: A very loose set, I would say, of things they could not do. Right? Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that. <laughs> right? No, you're like, right. You're right. Yeah, it's like, all right, guys. <laughs> I'm the cool dad right now. You can only hang them up this long. It's unholy. It is ghoulish. No and, more burning and, with cigarettes,
0: though, guys. Okay, that's off the table.
2: Only vapes. So they're like very strange, very strange um, semantics, you know, And, and I think the point holds true. The ACLU has a pretty robust discourse on this, and they note that per the Department of Justice in a series of infamous memoranda, uh, These folks who were abducted by these programs are, quote, unprotected by federal or international laws. To your earlier question, Noel, yes, that's the loophole, dude. That's the dangerous part because federal U.S. laws are still just, you know, in in geopolitical terms, federal laws are a state actor's laws, right? Like you can smoke weed all the live long day in California. You will be executed legally. In Malaysia for doing the same thing. But when they get to the point of not being protected by international laws, that means stuff like the Geneva Conventions. That means stuff like uh, the rights of POWs, prisoners of war. Right. That's why that's why we see more Orwellian terms trotted out. Like this is not a soldier. This is an enemy combatant. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and a lot of that stuff is so toothless anyway, because it's so easy to like, oh, we said no burning with cigarettes. You didn't say anything about clove cigarettes, you know. I mean there's always some way around it. And and these reclassifications and just kinda linguistic
1: jujitsu. It's it, it makes your head spin. Guys, I, I want to get this thought out and see if it makes sense to you guys. I think when this concept originated right back to George H.W. Bush, he's thinking as CIA, he's thinking abducting a single person using everything we've been talking about here, maybe enhanced interrogation, maybe even torture, but on a single individual where the, the company is seeking very specific information about either a group or a potential singular attack or, you know, some cell, but they're interrogating one person. I think when it originated with that group of people and with George H.W. Bush at the head of some of those ideas, or maybe at least the signer of some of those ideas, when it evolved into the thing that his son was dealing with, with a war, where now you've got a prison system Running that very concept, right, of a single individual undergoing those things, right, to extract information. I think it's a whole other – it was just a whole other bag of badgers because now, think back to the Stanford Prison Experiment, think back to what psychologically occurs when a – inside a prison rather than just a singular uh, interrogation room interaction, right? Right. I think that's the major the major change that occurred in the the thing that the originators didn't think would happen.
2: The exception became the rule, right? Became mm-hmm. the practice, the uh, the pop up shop that was meant to be around for an afternoon became a franchise, right? Yeah, <laughs>
1: well, because in the in the one person example, you've got probably a seasoned interrogator who's been interrogating suspects for the entirety of their career. But in, you know, in the prison system, it's literally military police that do not know what exactly the rules are. They're giving a very loose set of objectives. And the main objective is get information from this person.
2: And we know. Yeah, that's well put. And I agree with you. We know we know folks who have been involved on the U.S. side in in these sorts of pursuits, in these activities, people who have conducted interrogations. And they are not super villains, right? They're not they're not or whatever. They're people who are trying to do a job in a good faith effort. And the problem is the rules of the road keep changing. And the demands, the expectations, the goal of the mission keeps changing. And at some point, when things go wrong, all of a sudden there's no one at the wheel. Which is, uh, again, another problem with programs like this. There is no strong impetus to close this massive loophole, this massive, shaggy, it wasn't me kind of passing the buck. Uh, It's a phenomenon. That will continue, uh, not just in the U.S., but in any government with the power to do so. Even now, in 2023, as we record this evening, this is a genuine conspiracy. This is an attempt, quite successful, honestly, to skirt the rule of law. Consider the United Nations legendary bars these guys are spitting here's a real sexy thing they wrote it's called the united nations convention against torture and other forms of cruel inhuman or degrading treatment it says point blank it's illegal to do any of this stuff like it's super duper illegal in the world uh in the opinion of the world's government it's super illegal to kidnap people And then they torture the heck out of them and and then use that to find and torture more people. Uh, The U.S. Congress agreed with this. They ratified that convention back in 1992 before old O.G. George, I guess we could call him, uh, son of Prescott came in in 93 and said, "Ah, asterisk, caveat, what if? You know, and Ben, you have a, a little mention in the outline of stuff
0: we didn't get to. And I just thought we should maybe get to over five seconds. Just the idea of, of these these type of operations being completely uh, incorrect in who they're targeting. There's erroneous film, rendition. Erroneous rendition. There was a film, I believe, in, in 2007 called Rendition um, about that very thing. You know, about about a suspect that's basically they grabbed the wrong guy and someone just has disappeared. You know, and uh, the wife asks the senator for help, and that therein lies the plot of the movie. I think it's got Jake Gyllenhaal and Meryl Streep and um, Reese Witherspoon in it. But I think it was, it was based on a, a real thing that happened, and these types of things happen all the time. So, oh, well, yes. I don't know, maybe not, maybe not all the time, but more than you'd, you'd like to
1: think. Well, yeah, A Taxi to the Dark Side is based on this guy named Dilwar, who was a taxi driver that literally picked up three guys and then took them back to his hometown. But on the way, they stopped by a what they called a fire base. And there were Afghan militiamen who looked in the trunk, saw a, what do they call it, an electric stabilizer, and accused everybody in that in that taxi cab of having attacked the base earlier in the day. So they all got sent to Bagram, uh, and, or they all got sent away. This guy Dilwar, the driver, was sent to Bagram where he got tortured for five days and he died. And it's, And he was literally just a taxi driver going from one place to another and got picked up. Right. Uh, but, yeah, let's get back to the quote we were, were about to get to from the U.N.
2: Yeah. in both of the examples you guys just mentioned, uh, the concept overall defined as the concept of erroneous rendition. Uh, this happened in contradiction to what Congress said when they agreed with that super sexy U.N. banger back in 1992. Uh, Congress said the U.S. will not. And this is the quote expel, extradite, or otherwise affect the involuntary return of any person to a country in which there are substantial grounds for believing the person would be in danger of being subjected to torture, regardless of whether the person is physically present in the United States. So at the same time, one hand of Uncle Sam is waving and saying all these great things about democracy. The other hand is doing the exact opposite. And Congress later doubled down. They said, look, you, the American, the global public, we totes love you guys. And we're not going to green light funding for any operation that leads to torture or degrading treatment or anything that's prohibited by the Constitution. You guys were super serial this time for real, though. Uh, we're not going to do it. Tight. Go USA. And the USA did go. They went around the world and they did everything that Congress said was not going to happen. Uh, Look, go past the lip service, past the PR, past the, the campaign spins that are spinning up now as we speak. The largely unelected leaders of these agencies, the inheritors of these legacy programs, they continue to function. You cannot directly vote for or against them or these processes. There is a conspiracy afoot. And the idea that you can move someone from their home country to another place and do whatever you want in search of nebulously defined things, that's beyond the rule of law. It is logically, like we were talking about earlier, it's logically perilous. It's nigh impossible to defend actions that did not occur. So as a result... The public will never know whether these programs resulted in actually saving lives. What we can say is this. Hundreds and hundreds of people got sucked up in this program. Uh, There are many more uh, currently in Guantanamo Bay. I believe 27 people currently held in Guantanamo Bay for any number of years have no criminal charges pending against them.
1: They're just there yep and there are there are many other places that we'll never hear about ever never, not once you know
2: i, I it, it's crazy, and you know as such, if we're asking in good faith, as such, we cannot fault anyone, American or otherwise, who understands this information and says, Has the United States in in these pursuits, has the United States become the same monster?' It originally proposed to hunt, and that's a, that's a terrifying question. We don't know the answers. Uh, we, we, would, we would love your opinion. We have a lot of people in the audience this evening who have uh, some familiarity of one sort or another with this stuff, and we want to hear from you to the degree that you are safe and comfortable doing so. We have a number of ways you can contact us. That's right. You can find us at the handle conspiracy stuff
0: uh, where we exist all over the internet, uh, specifically, uh, on YouTube, Facebook, and XFKA Twitter. Uh, you can find us at the handle conspiracy stuff show on Instagram and TikTok, which, uh, apparently the kids are really into
1: some of them. Not my kid. No, I'm just, he's just not old. enough. <laughs> no yet. screens allowed
0: in my house.
1: <laughs> hey, you can give us a call. Our number is one 833 T D W Y T K. Uh, When you call in, it's a voicemail system. Surprise. You've got three minutes. Give yourself a cool nickname and let us know if we can use your voice and message on one of our listener mail episodes. Hey, and if you've got ideas, stuff to send, links, any of that, why not instead send us an email?
2: We are the folks who read every single email we get. Uh, Send us those links. Send us those photos. Take us to the edge of the rabbit hole. We'll do the rest where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com.